stay tuned now for the Mendocino County COVID-19 briefing. Hello, my name is Trevor Mokel and welcome to the Mendocino County COVID-19 update. Today, are we pleased to be joined by Mendocino County Health Officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, who will be given an update on the COVID-19 status of our county. After that, we'll open up and take a few questions from the media concerning the COVID-19 incident. We are limited to two questions from each media outlet in order to preserve the schedules of our staff. If time allows, we will also take questions from the public. If you are a member of the public, please leave your questions in the comment of this video below and we'll do our best to address it. Now beginning with the health update, Dr. Corin, you have our attention. Thank you. Hello everyone. So we'll start with the data as usual uh, from March 31st, that's two days ago, uh, the U.S. coronavirus cases were 30,447,282. And the deaths so far suffered in the United States were 551,812. Uh, they're increasing, but much more slowly. In California, the case rate, uh, the cases now number 3,568,426. The total deaths in the California, number 57,936. Uh, it's noteworthy that the East Coast is uh, seeing some significant increase in the last few days. In Mendocino County, as of this morning, our average daily new cases uh, were 4.85 and the positivity rate 2.4%. Our R effective value is 0.69. Remember, this is a sign of how much transmission there is. This is slightly decreased and less than the California R effective value of 0 0.79. Uh, the cases in Mendocino County uh, number 3,941, slowly decreasing. Uh, the Latino population has suffered 1,979 cases. Uh, that is 50 0.2% of the, of the total and is slowly decreasing. Isolation, there are 33 people in isolation at this time, 59 people in quarantine, and the deaths in our county number now 46. Uh, this has not changed in the last week. Uh, hospitalized in our county, there is currently one uh, on med surge after many days of having none in the entire county. And that person is not hospitalized primarily for COVID, but COVID is an incidental uh, finding. There are none uh, in the ICU here in Mendocino County, but we do have a Mendocino resident hospitalized out of county in the ICU. <clears throat> Outbreaks, Ukiah post-acute outbreak is resolving. Um, testing now available at the Ukiah Fairgrounds every Saturday through Thursday, 9 to 5 p.m., and in Fort Bragg Veterans Hall every Tuesday, 9 to 5. We've successfully arranged the travel team to visit two sites every Friday, which is more efficient uh, and more available than it was before. Uh, the cycle will uh, include Point Arena, Boonville, uh, and the following Friday, Laytonville, Willits, then Gualala, Boonville, and finally Round Valley, Willits. Uh, Consolidated Tribal Health continues to do testing and plans to increase their testing events uh, in the near future. Uh, Mendocino still needs more testing to help keep this pandemic at bay. We were notified of four variants here in Mendocino County that were randomly tested back in early February. These included the B1.427 and the B1.429 variants, uh, which are variants of concern now because they have a 20% increase transmission rate. Uh, these are not as threatening as, the, as we've heard of on the news, the UK variant B1.117, which has a 50% more transmissible transmission rate and is felt to be the reason for the current fourth wave uh, on, that's going on in the East Coast. But it is a warning for us to keep up our non-pharmacologic interventions and get as many as possible vaccinated as soon as possible. Our county Solano lab is setting up their whole genome sequencing at this time and will arrange a program uh, of regular whole genome testing for variants for our county when that is finalized. 
this will be more for situational awareness since the results are not usually reported before a couple of weeks. Uh, but we will also be sending appropriate samples uh, when needed for more severe cases following a fully vaccinated uh, person or a significant outbreak. Schools are now testing both staff and athletes on a regular basis. Um, <clears throat> contact investigation and contact tracing has slowed with the slowdown in the number of cases, but it is just as important at this point as it was earlier. Um, uh, noteworthy is that if a fully vaccinated person that is two weeks past their final dose uh, has a close contact with a known um, uh, infected index case, they do not need to quarantine. Extra caution for people with higher risks or if they live with people with higher risks is, uh, is advised. And this applies only to non-healthcare workers. Um, the, there's another set of recommendations for healthcare workers. Let's move on to vaccinations. Uh, the county has signed an MOU for joining the uh, Blue Shield third-party administrator, and our partners are all in the process of signing the Blue Shield contract. <clears throat> We're now relying more on my turn for county events, and our partners will soon be using that as well uh, because it is significantly improving with each update. This means that patients will have a much easier single point to call or to get onto uh, the internet for seeing eligibility, finding a clinic, and making an appointment, beginning registration, uh, and this will be online and phone, English and multiple languages. From our point of view, it will be easier to set up events and input vaccine brands. Uh, we could set up other limitations such as geofencing after April 9th, April 9th uh, and also set up codes for target groups uh, it'll be easier registration and paperwork directly feeding into the CARES database. This month, however, is a month of transition. So we're expecting some issues with software and allotments. Uh, clinics are fully engaged and they will get, I'm sorry, when the clinics are fully engaged, they will get direct allotments from the state. Uh, others who are not yet engaged will still get their allotments through the county. And uh, in the end, hopefully all will be coming through the state, but we'll now have a little bit more flexibility for reallocating if needed. The software updates are frequent and much more usable. Um, <clears throat> uh, there still will be, at least temporarily, a need for county, vaccinate Mendocino, NCO, and promotories to assist with appointments, and we plan to keep that up so everybody can be helped. Uh, the number for my turn uh, is 833-422-4255, and the uh, website is myturn.ca.gov. For the county, you can get assistance at 707-472-2633 or NCO 707-467-3239 or text them at 707-209-7161 with NCOVAX in the, in the message. The vaccine supply is slowly increasing, uh, though in the past week we've needed almost all of our vaccines for second doses, um, and we hope to have some first doses available next week. Eligibility has been expanded to anyone over the age of 50 years old as of yesterday, April 1st, and on April 15th, we will, um, we will stay in sync with the state and uh, increase eligibility down to 16 years old. Uh, we have also removed a lot of the barriers of verification, and I believe this will increase demand and decrease the no-show rate at our events. We continue to make vaccines available to ag workers and food workers, childcare, those with chronic disease and disabilities, and anyone in the prior tiers. Planning to vaccinate, uh, we are planning to vaccinate 16 to 18 year olds, partnering with the schools who are predominantly, uh, uh, and the, this is because there's a large uh, Hispanic population and this may uh, influence the way uh, to get families in. Please remember eligibility does not mean availability, um, but uh, if you sign on to my turn, you'll get an alert when we are, when it is available. Pfizer is now reporting some early results in their phase three testing of adolescents 12 
uh, to 16 years old. So maybe in the future, in the fall, we'll have um, more vaccines that are actually available for our adolescents. We have been working with this small Janssen supply to make that available to homebound, homeless people, people who are hard to reach, and for new nursing home admissions and migrant workers. And we also give some to each of our clinics so it's available as they need it. We realize we need to continue the large events and continue to work on smaller events and strike teams for smaller groups uh, who have difficulty making it into our larger clinics. Um, there's a new approach we're starting this Sunday, which is we will be going to church. To support all this, we are continuing and increasing our outreach with education on social media and radio, as well as flyers and door hangers in English and Spanish. So I want to move now to vaccine data and understand that this does not include federal government direct uh, uh, allocations to Indian Health Service, Veteran Affairs, or retail pharmacies, which are very difficult to uh, find. As of April 1st, our county has administered 50,063 doses totally. Fully vaccinated in the county is our 19,567, or 29.2% of adults, uh, compared with California as a whole, has um, vaccinated 20.2%. At least one dose uh, has been uh, 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 given to 30,496 of our residents, which represents 43.6% of our county's adults versus 17% in the rest of California. And note that these numbers are good for our second doses complete, uh, complete, completing uh, those vaccination series since we just finished so many weeks of nearly only second dose clinics. 50.4 uh, of those in the lowest resource zip codes have been vaccinated in Mendocino County, again, in comparison to California, which has uh, vaccinated 20% in those zip codes. 42.5% uh, of those over 65 have been vaccinated compared to California, 22%. Uh, 50 to 64 years old, we have vaccinated 24.5%, and 18 to 49 has been 33.7%. 53.8% of women have been vaccinated, 48.8% of Caucasians uh, versus California, 29.7%. Uh, 16.4% of our Hispanic population has been vaccinated compared to California 19.5%. And this is clearly where we need to do better. And uh, we are identifying barriers and working on more outreach and more methods to get it out to this population. 2.3% of American Indians in Mendocino County uh, have been vaccinated versus 0.3% in California as a whole. Um, so for the vaccination clinics this week, remember there are some first doses uh, and some Johnson & Johnson depending upon the Monday shipment. We really don't know that until we get the shipment. Uh, uh, on Wednesday, April 7th, the uh, uh, county will be having a clinic at MCOE in the Talmadge area, mostly for ag workers and that will be Johnson & Johnson vaccines. On Thursday, April 8th, we'll have a first-dose Pfizer clinic at the fairgrounds. RCMS will be on Saturdays, and they do have smaller events during the week, and they are distributing some through their clinic visits. Uh, Mendocino Coast Clinic, uh, today they're having a second-dose Pfizer visit to, uh, clinic, and tomorrow it'll be a second-dose Moderna. Uh, and... Um, they also distribute through their clinic and to the street medicine uh, uh, group. In Little River, there was an uh, a, uh, event on April 1st, yesterday, and the Casper event is going on today with Moderna. Anderson Valley Health Center had a uh, clinic yesterday and plans to have clinics ongoingly on Friday, on Thursdays, excuse me, Laytonville had a uh, second-dose clinic and uh, has uh, on Tuesday and Friday, and will change to Thursdays and Fridays regularly after this week. Uh, Round Valley Indian Health Center scheduled uh, clinics on April 10th and April 16th, 
and Bechtel Creek is having a clinic today and plans on April 14th to have a second dose Moderna clinic. And uh, Adventist Health Ukiah Valley uh, works with MCHC on Wednesdays at Alex Rora Plaza. Uh, uh, this week will again be a second dose Pfizer. And uh, MCHC also has some Johnson Johnson that they're giving through their office visits. Moving on to our uh, blueprint tiers, we have been in the red tier for three weeks. We're getting very close to uh, qualifying for the orange transition, which uh, happens at a threshold of less than 3.9 cases per 100,000 for two weeks. Potentially, when the state has distributed their 4 million doses to the lowest resourced zip codes, the threshold for all the counties uh, will shift from uh, going from red to orange to 5.9 cases per day per 100,000, and we should be moved to orange. Uh, this may happen in the next several days, three to five days is what's estimated, but it's we won't be able to tell until it happens. Uh, this would be a very rapid transition from purple to red for us, from uh, purple to red to orange, uh, and usually with each tier we learn, and so it's a little concerning that we're moving that quickly uh, especially as the East Coast is going through the fourth wave, um, there could become a surge uh, as it happened last winter. Uh, and we have coming up four events in the future, Easter, graduation, spring break, Memorial Day, and July 4th. And everyone wants relief from this long shutdown. Uh, I don't blame them, but the concern is that we could bring on much worse conditions for ourselves if we give up all of our uh, all of our vigilance, um, <clears throat> so we have variants here, and even though we're partially vaccinated, there's a potential again for breakthrough. Uh, we have seen this in several places. It's not unheard of to get the virus and the infection after you've been vaccinated. The vaccination helps tremendously, um, so everyone should still beware. Uh, and continue to uh, be vigilant, must keep testing. We have to be resolute in masking, even double masking, which is now recommended, social distancing and avoiding gatherings of over three households, and keep safe during those gatherings with all of the recommendations for non-pharmacologic interventions. So briefly to go through the highlights of what the orange tier would mean, is an increase in capacity allowed for places of worship, retail, including shopping centers, restaurants, museums, movie theaters, and outdoor live events. There will be new indoor activities permitted, such as pools, wineries, breweries, and distilleries, and bars who are serving food. Family entertainment, card rooms, satellite wagering, and offices uh, can be open. With the offices, we still encourage teleworking, if possible. And uh, to be noted in the new uh, tier um, uh, um, uh, openings will be incentives for people who are vaccinated and for testing. When, when, uh, when uh, uh, these enterprises allow people in, uh, the, the instructions say that if they can prove everybody has been vaccinated and tested, there's increased capacity. So for more details, please see the state blueprint website. It'll be more clear. In summary, this is a mixed message. We're doing well here in the county and in California, but we need to proceed with caution. The cases and hospitalizations have decreased, so we're now in the red tier and probably on the verge of the orange tier. More businesses, schools, recreation uh, facilities are open, and we're doing well with vaccines. But variants are here, and the East Coast is showing this, that a new wave could develop, and even a surge could follow, uh, putting at risk all of our medical facilities and, of course, many more people for the illness. Easter, spring break, more holidays. want you to be happy, but avoid high-risk gatherings. Keep it to three families maximum. Uh, continue masking and social distancing, hand washing. Ventilation should be maximized uh, and uh, and. and encouraged. Indoor is possible uh, for these small gatherings, but it is, uh, it is discouraged. So keep that in mind. Avoid out-of-state travel. There is more risk both in the traveling and from out-of-state locations because of more variants. 
test a few days before you leave, and if sick or you test positive, postpone your travel. Upon return, more than 120 miles from Mendocino County, self-quarantine for seven days if tested on day two or three of return, or the quarantine lasts 10 days if not testing. There is a race to vaccinate. If you haven't been vaccinated, uh, please don't hesitate. If you've been holding back, remember you're putting yourself and your loved ones at more risk. The vaccines are very effective and very safe. And the more we have vaccinated, the harder it will be for these viruses to travel from person to person. Uh, you are probably eligible now or will be eligible in the next couple of weeks. If you've been vaccinated, tell others, spread the word and continue to mask, socially distance, avoid large gatherings, continue your hand washing, keep things outside if possible, or if inside, increase the ventilation. And don't forget to test often, even if vaccinated, uh, we'll be able to detect these outbreaks and potential surges sooner and protect the gains we've already been made. We've already made. So I'll end there and open for questions. Thank you for the update, Dr. Corn. We're gonna switch over to the media. Danila, you're gonna be first. All right, thank you. So I just had a, my first question is going back, I didn't hear any updates or I might've missed it regarding any recent outbreaks. Um, but the last one I remember was at um, a skilled nursing facility, the post-acute where I believe there was quite a few residents and I would like to know, were they vaccinated? And if so, were the symptoms less? Did it help? I would just, I would just like a better understanding of that. Yeah, so uh, the Ukiah post-acute outbreak is winding down at this point. Um, they have done their twice weekly testing and have gone through uh, three of them. We're still waiting for the results of the last uh, set of tests. Uh, and then we'll have one more to do before we actually close out that event. There were people who had been vaccinated uh, with different with the different vaccines, actually all three of the vaccines, and uh, some did develop uh, uh, new infections. So it does happen. It didn't exceed uh, any numbers that would uh, shine a light that this was some uh, unusual vaccine failure. Uh, but uh, th there were some who were affected. So it's a reminder that the vaccines are not 100 percent. And even if vaccinated, you need to take precautions. Thank you. Um, a lot of people are wanting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it's one dose. And with the recent factory mix-up, is that going to change anything for Mendocino County or California? Well, um, I don't know how that will affect uh, how it comes out in California. It sounds like a large uh, batch was ha had to be uh, taken offline. And so that may have an effect, um, but I don't think it's, we, we don't think that it's going to change it that significantly. So we're just beginning uh, the increase in Johnson and Johnson vaccines. And my understanding uh, is that, that uh, that will actually be the largest vaccine increase uh, as we go along in the next few months. Thank you, Adrian, you're going to be up next. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, Dr. Korn, thanks for being with us today. Um, you and I spoke, uh, I guess it was last week, about uh, the new variants. So I'm just wondering if you've had any, and so I'm sorry, I, I came in a bit late, so I'm sorry if you already addressed this. Um, if you've had any um, additional information from those labs, or if you could give us an update generally about where that, that lab work and lab preparation for the new lab stands. Yeah, I did, I did say that earlier, but let me just repeat it briefly. Um, we had results um, at the end of March that there were four variants that were picked up in February on February 7th. Uh, and that included two variants uh, from the California group, uh, the B1427 and B1429, that have a little bit of increased transmissibility. Um, and I have not heard of any other reports back. Uh, remember that these are randomly selected from the Valencia lab. Uh, they run them when they can, 
and they let us know and it takes a long time. They're way backed up. So what I was saying earlier also is that we're trying to work on our uh, uh, all of our positives, a percentage of them going automatically for whole genome testing uh, through our county's lab uh, in Solano. But they're just at the point of setting up and validating their test results. So I can't uh, I can't arrange a regular transfer, but if there are uh, concerns about certain either outbreaks or certain uh, types of infection, people have very serious infections uh, uh, after they have had the vaccinations, then we can send them off. Great. Thank you for that. Um, and then my, my second question um, is, um, we're we're getting we're getting, we're around fifty percent of adults having had one vaccination. Um, so we know that the the idea of anti-vax that there's a large number of people who are afraid to get vaccinated for anything, let alone COVID, um, is uh, significant in Northern California. Um, do you have you begun to see that affecting our vaccination rates? Do you think that we're going to reach a point where we're going to have more vaccine than people who are willing to get? vaccination and what preparations is your department taking to try to mitigate that? So as far as the anti-vax literature, we actually have uh, seen some of it emerge. Uh, a good example was up in Willits. People were putting it on cars in one of our clinic's uh, parking lots. And uh, what, we, uh, what we're doing now is sending it off to uh, California Department of Public Health they are interested in rumors of misinformation or disinformation, which is what this clearly was. And I had other reports of the same leaflet, it sounds like, in uh, laundromats and, and so on and so forth. So um, clearly, California Department of Health is trying to address these very specifically and directly with their education campaign. And we will be doing the same kind of thing locally as we find more of these rumors or disinformation. We do want to also get the information out. And as I said before, we are looking, uh, I mean, we've done an awful lot of education um, and uh, through the, the media, which is an excellent way to get things out pretty quick and pretty, uh, pretty inexpensively. But the, uh, the pieces of paper that we hang up or we pass out or door hangers uh, are also very influential for many people who don't have access or don't uh, use the Internet. And so we're, we're uh, looking more to, to developing uh, those resources. Uh, do I think it's going to affect our uh, penetration of vaccines in our county? I think it certainly has that threat, and we want to address it with more education. Of course, we can't um, we can't force people to get vaccinations, uh, but I think if they're being misled uh, by disinformation, um, then we can uh, try and influence them through better education, and that's that's what our approach will be. All right, Alicia, you're going to be up next. All right. Thank you very much. Um, this is Alicia Bales from KZYX. Um, I wonder if you could just explain for our listeners uh, what is the deal with the switch to Blue Shield? You said that your providers, your partners and your providers are signing contracts with Blue Shield. How is the new system whereby Blue Shield is the source of vaccine doses, I guess, for the different healthcare providers around the county. How is that going to change uh, how things work right now? What's the, the difference for people who aren't following it really closely? And, and how might that affect how people can register for and get their vaccines? That's a good question, Lisa. Thank you. So the Blue Shield TPA uh, was uh, developed and actually is being made mandatory if we're going to get continue to get our vaccine allotments, uh, and it was you know it was developed at a time that um, there was some slowness in getting the vaccines out. Uh, there's always slowness at the beginning of a process, uh, but those of us in uh, county public health felt that we were getting things together pretty well, and certainly here in, in uh, Mendocino we we're doing very well. Um, and the, some of the contracts uh, that were generated and, and passed out uh, created a lot of animosity. Uh, and Blue Shield is, is not necessarily the, uh, a company that everybody in medicine uh, appreciates and enjoys. However, the governor felt that it was important to organize all the efforts, especially data gathering, which is an important problem. 
um, and, and, and important for us to, uh, to have accurate and complete. So as we move forward, uh, we have strategies that are based on good information to get the vaccines out. And uh, it seemed, I guess, that uh, Blue Shield could do a better job of uh, improving our, our, um, our data collection. Um, and uh, after uh, really getting the counties uh, to uh, and the uh, the uh, multi-county entities to report better, uh, and finding that the platforms that the state had set up already were very complex, uh, and working through that, uh, we have been um, developing a much more reliable database and data gathering system. Whether Blue Shield was necessary for that or was the motivation that we needed in order to get all the counties on board to do it, I don't know. But there they are. And uh, the requirement was to sign up with the third-party administrator if you wanted to get your vaccines. So all of the counties, uh, as I understand it, have signed memorandums of understanding. And clinic partners, some uh, have signed uh, memorandums of understanding, but most are signing direct contracts with Blue Shield as the third-party administrator. What has happened in the past is that all of the partners have uh, made their requests through the county, and then the county to the state, and the state has decided what they would give us. They would send us the vaccines. We would distribute it or allocate it uh, to the various partners. Um, and then we could also reallocate as needed. If, uh, if we needed to move vaccines from our freezer to somebody else's, or what happened more often is that, uh, uh, for example, our uh, multi-county entities uh, didn't, have, or didn't have an access to get the, the vaccines out, they would give us some and, and we would uh, manage it. Um, what will happen now is more of a direct um, uh, allocation from the state to the clinics. Now, the counties will still be part of that uh, because they'll, the, the uh, partners will submit their requests to the county as well as the state, and the state looks at the county's uh, needs, and at least at this point, they're still checking with us and then they'll be pushing it to the clinics. My understanding is that the, the, um, the uh, Blue Shield will change how they're doing it from an ask to, okay, here's, you know, when they get stabilized and we, we know the supplies and what the capacity is, they'll say, okay, here's your regular um, allotment each week. And supposedly it's supposed to be, it will be smoother. Uh, I am sure that there are going to be hitches in the next month at the very least uh, because there are non-stable supplies and uh, not everybody is on the uh, third-party administration platform, but as they come on, it will be a single system to get that those vaccines out. As important, or perhaps more importantly, is the uh, is the uh, insistence by Blue Shield that if you want to participate in the third-party administration, you have to participate in their My Turn program, which is <clears throat> which is a single point of entry for um, for people in the community when they want a vaccine to sign on either through internet or telephone in multiple languages and be able to see what clinics have what vaccines available now and sign up for it. And once they're registered, the, uh, the beginning of data collection begins. So when they arrive at the clinic, uh, their information is known. And if not, more can be input at the site of the clinic and it immediately transfers to CARES, which is the longstanding vaccine information database. And so that becomes avail available to the state and to the counties and to other people who can sign in and find out. So it's a, a bit smoother in, uh, in, uh, as we see it now in the future, uh, and hopefully it will, it will improve. Uh, we were among the first counties to start working with my turn and uh, I think it was the first of the rural counties to pilot it. And we've given them a lot of feedback working with their IT people. And many, many corrections have, have happened in the last month that have made it much more user-friendly and much more functional. Does that help answer your question, Lisa? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, okay, and my next question hopefully is, is shorter and simpler. Um, you said that you're going to be going to church could you talk about that program and, and what, what you're going to be doing at church? Well, um, the uh, religious leaders in our community have been meeting with us for many months throughout this epidemic. 
And uh, they are very much on board and want to get their congregations protected and vaccinated in this case. And uh, so we have uh, begun to reach out and talk about having um, vaccination clinics right at the church because that's a time when uh, people who can't get off the rest of the week have a chance to get off and go to church. And in particular, that affects agricultural workers. And in particular, the uh, Hispanic community is very religious. And uh, this would be very good to, again, try and boost the numbers to the Spanish portion of our population. All right, Matt, you're going to be up next. Hey, thanks for hosting this, folks. First question I have for you, Dr. Corin. Um, there are multiple local businesses making decisions about reopening. Um, and in the process, they're taking inventory of staff vaccination levels. Um, I'm wondering if you could comment on the appropriateness for business owners to require staff who work directly with the public to be, to, to be vaccinated as a condition for re-employment? Um, as I understand it, it is not legal to do that. Um, I know that even within healthcare institutions, um, discriminating against people who do not want to be vaccinated is, is not allowed. Uh, uh, hospitals have passed resolutions among their staff and in their uh, rules for, uh, for the staff that they should get back. This was in, in the days of just flu before we were even at COVID, that they should get vaccinated or have to wear a mask uh, to protect their very vulnerable patients. And I think that that's what's happening at this point, but everybody is, is vaccinated. Everybody is wearing a mask in the hospitals. Um, so when you go to other uh, community enterprises, it's also going to be very difficult. And it's not, I don't think that that'll be protected uh, in the courts if it's challenged, but individual employers could, you know, could make it a, uh, either a requirement um, or, you know, or, um, or advice uh, and it'll be up to them to fight those decisions in the court. I, personally, I think if you're face-to-face -face with another person, you should protect yourself and you should protect them. Uh, and that would be with a mask or a vaccination, and I would lean at this point to a vaccination. That's me. Uh, thank you for that, Doc. Um, the, the next question I have is, has to do with the increased eligibility for vaccinations. I'm, I'm curious if public health has given any direction to local providers to ensure residents at greatest risk of critical disease outcomes or infections are moved to the front of the line. Well, we do want to uh, promote those people who are eligible because of their vulnerability before when we had the tier structure. <clears throat> and so if they come in, yes, we want to give, make them vaccinated as soon as we possibly can. We can't give that directly to our partners, but the, I'll tell you that they're all on board and they want to get their most vulnerable people in. They're screening their electronic health records and calling people up and getting them in. Um, however, we have been running, and you probably know this over the last month, more and more difficulty filling appointment slots by call-ins and, and before the clinics. So, you know, there's it's just taking some time for everybody in the community to say, okay, there's a slot for me. There's a vaccine for me. I'm going to sign up now. And that's where we're at right now. We really want to get as many people in as possible. Now, especially that we're having less problems with supply. There still are problems with supply. Uh, but we hope over the next uh, two months that there'll be a lot more supply. And so, the you know, uh, increasing the availability or the eligibility for more people is what we really want to do. Now, keep in mind that eligibility is not availability. So if people really stream into the, you know, into the clinics, uh, it may be a problem, but my turn will mitigate a lot of that because there really will be appointments available. And if we have problems, there are other ways we can, we can deal with that. We can make some portion of the clinics drop in, that kind of thing. So does that answer your question? Okay. Okay. Thank you, everyone from the media. We are going to move on to some questions from the public now for Dr. Corrin. Uh, the first one we have is from Facebook, and they would like to know how effective are the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines against the variants? Uh, that's a good question. So, so far, the variants we have here in California have not shown resistance to the vaccines we have, any of the uh, vaccines we have available. 
Uh, there is some concern about the P1 Brazilian variant and the South Africa variant. And, uh, but, but we don't have much of that here and uh, they're not 100% resistant, uh, but it's something that we're, we're watching very closely. The next question is from also from Facebook is, why do we not have daily COVID testing on the coast? Ah, good question. So that goes back to availability. Um, there just isn't enough vaccine at this point available to have daily, oh, daily testing. I'm sorry, I, I miss, misheard. Um, so again, it has to do with um, how, how we can, uh, how much testing we can get done. Remember, all the tests that we do are for free. And so they come uh, through the state uh, paid for by a contract and we're not really seeing a bill for those, uh, but they do, um, the OptumServe company that um, makes available the tests and the teams that, that uh, are doing the testing, they require certain minimum numbers of people each time that clinic opens. And so what we're doing is we're increasing the numbers of clinics based on the numbers of uh, people who come to those clinics. And uh, so far we're really trying to, um, to increase that. And Becky, if you could help me out, I really appreciate it. Certainly, Dr. Korn. I would also add that we are partnering with the schools for regular testing there. And Mendocino Coast Clinic has been doing regular testing using the color kits, as well as uh, Redwood Coast Medical Services. Uh, and so with those supports, we have not had a seven-day-a-week OptumServe line on the coast, but we do have OptumServe on the coast on Tuesdays at the Veterans Hall from 9 to 5 in Fort Bragg, and we are alternating our traveling team uh, on South Coast, and so every other week they are in uh, Boonville and then alternating their trips between Point Arena and Redwood Coast Medical Services in Gualala area as well. So we do have a significant support of testing through uh, a various array of, of partners and opportunities, but we do not have a seven-day-a-week optum line uh, within county at this time. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Uh, and last but not least, the last question is from also from Facebook. Can we get a synopsis of the new health order out today concerning childcare, cohorts, and outdoor activities? Um, the, uh, are you talking about new um, guidance that was released today? Yes, that is what they're asking about. I'm not familiar. Okay. We can, we can move on. Um, so, yeah, I think it was the one that they were discussing when it came to the uh, child, hair, child care cohorts, the one that um, was just posted on the website today. We'll have to, I have to okay. see what they're referring to. Um, we did make a change last week in uh, the distance between chairs uh, in schools because uh, nationwide, uh, it became a, a problem opening schools up with six foot of space. There was not enough spaces in, in schools. Um, I'm going to have to look and remind myself right now about what the cohort issue is with that. All right. Thank you, Dr. Karn. Uh, that sums up today's COVID-19 update. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to give Dr. Karn the opportunity to give any concluding comments that he'd like. Well, the only thing I would say is, number one, get vaccinated, get online, uh, uh, so that you're sure you do get vaccinated as soon as possible. And even after you're vaccinated, and certainly now, don't forget that masking, social distancing, avoiding gatherings is the way to keep this virus at bay. It is, even with the vaccines, it's still a very deadly virus, and we don't want to see a rise in numbers or surge anymore. So let's, let's keep up our, our vigilance and our protection of each other. Thank you, Dr. Corin, and thank you everybody joining us here from the media and also on the internet. Um, our next update is scheduled for April 16th. Please continue to follow Mendocino County Public Health on Facebook for all COVID-19 updates. Thank you for joining us. All right, that was Mendocino County's COVID-19 briefing for this week. 
I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio here at KZYX. Thank you for listening, and I am going to repeat this week's vaccine clinics that uh, Andy Corn, Dr. Andy Corn, our public health officer, announced in the briefing. He went through it a pretty brisk clip, so <laughs> I'm going to repeat those clinic uh, this clinic schedule for vaccine clinics throughout the county next week. I want to mention that as of yesterday, vaccine eligibility has been expanded to anyone who is 50 years old and older. And as of April 15th, that eligibility will expand to age 16 and older. So the eligibility is opening up quite a bit. And so those of you who have not been eligible yet may now be eligible. So uh, you can find out more of all of the about all of these events by visiting myturn.ca.gov or mendocinocounty.org or any of the Facebook pages of Mendocino County Public Health or the local health providers. Uh, and for those without access to the internet, you can call MyTurn at 833-422-4255. The county vaccine scheduling line is 707-472-2633. And North Coast Opportunities, or NCO, is also providing uh, telephone support at 707-467-3239. Or NCO is also uh, accepting texts, so you can text NCO at 707 207- 209-7161. Include NCO VAX in the body of the text. So that's my turn, 833-422-4255. The county vaccine scheduling line, 707-472-2633. NCO at 707-467-3239. Or text NCO at 707 209 7161 include NCO VAX in the body of the text. All right, so I'm going to start with the location, the type of vaccine, and then the date. So in Talmadge, the county is holding a Johnson & Johnson vaccine, he said primarily for agricultural workers, uh, vaccine clinic at MCOE on Wednesday, April 7th. At the Ukiah Fairgrounds, there'll be a first dose Pfizer vaccine clinic, and that's on Thursday, April 8th. RCMS, or Redwood Coast Medical Services in Gualala, are holding regular vaccine clinics on Saturdays with smaller events during the week. And uh, they're also administering vaccines via clinic visits. At MCC, or Mendocino Coast Clinics, there will be a second dose Moderna vaccine clinic tomorrow. MCC is also distributing vaccines at their clinic visits and through their street medicine program. In Anderson Valley at Anderson Valley Health Center, they're doing regular weekly vaccinations on Thursdays. In Laytonville at the Long Valley Health Center starting next week, they'll be doing regular vaccination events on Thursdays and Fridays. In Willits at Bechtel Creek Clinic, they're having a second dose Moderna clinic on Wednesday, April 14th. Again, that's Bechtel Creek Clinic in Willits, a second-dose Moderna clinic on Wednesday, April 14th. Round Valley Indian Health Center is holding a vaccine event on Saturday, April 10th. And again, another one on Friday, April 16th. So that's Round Valley Indian Health Center, April 10th and April 16th. Mendocino Community Health Center in Ukiah, that's MCHC, partners with Alex Rohrbaugh Center, and they're doing mass vaccine events every Wednesday at the ARC in Ukiah. Next week will be a second-dose Pfizer clinic. MCHC is also distributing Johnson & Johnson through office visits, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, in other news, so that's the events that, that he announced in other news, Mendocino County is close to qualifying to move from the red tier to the orange tier, which is a very fast transition between the tiers. Uh, Dr. Corrin said this could happen 
in the next three to five days. The orange tier status would increase capacity for religious services, retail, outdoor live events, pools, wineries and breweries, family entertainment centers, and more. Dr. Corrin is mindful of the upcoming holidays and the rising cases on the East Coast, possibly due to more easily transmissible variants. And he cautioned strongly against the urge to open up too fast and let our guard down. He wants us to continue masking or double masking. Uh, not gathering with more than three families inside, trying to keep those gatherings outside. Of course, continuing to social distance, uh, not gather, <laughs> and keep washing our hands. So that has been the Mendocino County COVID-19 briefing for this week. Uh, they'll be back in two weeks with the county briefing. I'll have something for you next Friday. Uh, more uh updates from the officials here in the county we'll definitely have something for you uh i'm not sure what it'll be but we'll be back at three o'clock next friday with more uh, news about the county's response to the pandemic and the the latest news and updates uh in the meantime on monday at three o'clock dr drew colfax will be here with the local coronavirus update you can also hear any of these updates at our podcast which is called kzyx local coronavirus update wherever you get your podcasts don't forget we are in our quiet drive here at kzyx Uh, this is how we raise the funds to keep the great programming that you appreciate and um, and use here on the air for you Uh, our total so far in our quiet drive is twenty three thousand one hundred and forty nine dollars of our one hundred thousand dollar goal so even quietly you guys are stepping up and uh, donating here to this effort we've received donations from 250 of you thank you so much Uh, and you've got us almost a quarter of the way there so that's very exciting we still have uh seventy seven thousand to go and we'd love to hear from you you can go to www.kzyx.org there's a donate button there on the home page in the upper right hand corner it's very quick and easy to make your donation to re-up your membership or to make a one-time donation you can also see our thank you gifts there uh, if you're not on the internet but you'd still like to join it's 895-2324-707-895-2324 is how you reach us here at the kzyx office and we will happily take your donation uh, or you could send a check to p.o box one Philo, California, 95466. Thanks again for listening and have a a great weekend. Stay safe and I'll be back with you on Monday. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.